tonight we're going to be joined by Brandon Snyder. Brandon is from Ohio. Matt is from Iowa. And Burke Hulvey is from the state of West Virginia. We always operate on the winged approach. We're going to start by Burke uh, reading a New York Times article about the 1972 grand champion Marcus Steer at the National Western Stock Show being kicked out for uh, being a Charlotte Steer and uh, being dyed completely black. And how in the heck they did that, who in the heck will ever know? know. I've got just a little bit of more layers to the story after Burke reads the story, and uh, I think this is going to be a truly fascinating roundtable. So uh, Burke Holby from West Virginia, a recurring character on the MLC Big Show. Please take it away when you're ready. All right, the Denver's champion Black Angus is found white at the root. This was in the New York Times on February 27, 1972. He's about 1,200 pounds of beef residing temporarily in a barn in suburban Littleton and chewing his way through 30 pounds of grain a day while state and stock show officials try to figure out what happened. The problem is that Big Mac, winner of two major prizes at the stock show in January, was certified as an Angus deer raised in Iowa and shown in Denver for the first time. Now, it appears that he is not a black Angus, at all, but instead a black-dyed white Charlet named Jeep. Jeep was raised in Colorado and has been shown at a number of other shows. With a name like Big Mac, the steer drew the attention of several owners of McDonald's hamburger stands in Colorado. The chain features a hamburger called the Big Mac. In spirited bidding with Denver's Brown Palace Hotel, the McDonald's owners won the animal for $11.40 a pound or $14,250, the highest price ever paid in the stock show's 66-year history. But the Colorado Board of Stock Inspection is holding up the money awarded to Rex Miller, 16-year-old son of Mr. and Mrs. Eldon Miller of Alta, Iowa, until the matter of Big Mac's identity is settled. It was the young Miller who showed the animal at the National Western. Charlet is a Swiss cattle breed recently gaining wide acceptance among Western cattlemen, but not accepted for competition at the National Western, which shows only Herefords, Angus, and Shorthorns. Some of the breeds may be mixed a bit, but the sire of the steer must be from one of those three. Hair is white. Big Mac now has his facial fur clipped short and in the barns of Carl Reed, the owner of six McDonald's hamburger stands. His fur is growing in white. Even stronger evidence is the Lazy J, Lazy Y connected brand burned into the animal's flank. That is the brand of Skylark Ranch in Parsball, Colorado, according to Earl Brown, state brand commissioner. Mr. and Mrs. Ray Davis of Lamont, Colorado, said they bought Jeep, a Charlie calf from Skylark Ranch in November of 1970. Mrs. Davis said her son, Kirk, 18, attended the National Western and recognized Big Mac as Jeep, even though he had been dyed black. 
Once you get to know an animal, you can recognize it anywhere, Mrs. Davis said in a telephone interview. She said that although many people think all cattle look alike, they have distinct features and personalities. She said Jeep would cry real tears if you got mad at him and gave him a swat. Eighth in Kansas City. She said Jeep had been shown in two county fairs in Colorado and placed eighth in the American Rural Stock Show in Kansas City last October. After that, she said the animal was sold to an Iowa man. Stock show officials said the Iowa man had reported that Jeep had died of hardware sickness, which comes from eating metal, particularly chunks of barbed wire fencing. Rex Miller's father, reached by telephone, declined to comment on the matter. Dying cattle, a common practice until this incident happened, has now been banned by stock show officials who could not be reached for comment. Mr. Reed said the owners of 12 of 28 McDonald's restaurants in Colorado had decided to bid for Big Mac and had hoped to show him at their restaurants to promote business. We had our meat supplier hit on in it and told him to buy it no matter what the cost, Mr. Reed said. If they hadn't named it Big Mac, we never would have thought about it. Next time, I don't care if they're naming it McDonald's Special. We're not bidding. Mr. Braun, the brand commissioner, said his attention was called to the matter when the animal hair began to look a little white at the roots. It was like a blonde woman who stayed at the stock show just a little too long, he said. Mr. Brown said the incident might clear up some questionable practices that had grown up around the showing of stock. He added, if a man is able to judge animals in the show of this magnitude, he should be able to tell an Angus from a Charlotte. He said he hoped to have the matter settled in the next few weeks, though there's still talk of lawsuits. As for Mr. Reed, he said he was being razzed a bit these days by people from Burger Chef, a competitor. The Rocky Mountain News observed McDonald's may be wondering if their company is the McGraw-Hill of the meat industry. Thank you, Burke. And once again, that was a 1972 New York Times article. That is amazing. Wow. Uh, Brandon and Burke. Just uh, hit a couple of highlights from the uh, news article written 50 years ago, 1972. Uh, I believe the steer brought what was it, fourteen to fifteen thousand? Yep. That's amazing. Yep. I mean, you can imagine how much money that was back then. That's probably I don't have a ca- uh, inflation calculator, but I imagine that's like I don't know, seventy five hundred thousand. What do you guys think that is in modern day times? Probably close. Yeah. I'd say it's more than a hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, I, I it very well could be more than a hundred thousand. So in the end. Go ahead. What's crazy is just because of his name is why they bought him. Yep. And if that was like anybody else would have just killed him. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a wild story. I, uh, I, I've got a YouTube uh, video that I will attach to the podcast postcast. They said that the owner must have used up to four or five cases of black shoe polish to get to get the calf to get the calf died and it's just like i don't even i mean i know that stuff stains i guess but i just cannot believe the uh attention to detail it would take to get a full-on charlotte steer died to completion where you could maybe wash him at the show and still be completely what about, like, black his nose and eyes like how did you get that Stained and his eyes not like swell up. 
I don't know. What do you think, Brandon? Them old, them old guys just had to work harder than we do nowadays. <laughs> so I know that uh, Burke was reading uh, rather quickly. An added layer to the conversation is next weekend, according to my podcasting schedule, I'm going to be interviewing the owner of this steer at the 1972 National Western Stock Show. And can you guess who that is, Brandon? I know that Burke was reading awfully quickly. That would be the uh, the owner of the uh, National Livestock Exhibitor, right? Boom! You were paying attention. Good job, son. Eldon, and I'm not trying to make light of this. This happened 50 years ago. This is just part of our club calf history. So I'm not trying to make light of it for any other reason so that 5, 10, 15-year-old kids can hear this story. And it's just, it's like, uh, it's like the day that the Beatles came over, uh, from England. It just needs to be written down in audio form for future generations to hear. So the owner of the calf was Eldon Miller, the future owner of, uh, the National Livestock Exhibitor. And I did the math ahead. I talked to Elton earlier this afternoon. He told me he is 90, I believe he said 91 years old. And uh, that makes him born uh, 1931. Yeah, Rex Miller is 16 years old, son of Mr. and Mrs. Eldon Miller of Alta, Iowa. Uh, Eldon Miller, who was 41 years old at the time, Born in 1931, uh, his son, Rex, showed the steer that was uh, classed out. But just as a side note, there were elder people shows back in the day because Nolan Fleshner is going to come on the show. He's 73 years old. He said he preferred to show in the open class as opposed to the juniors, junior class because the open class paid more. So, I mean, it's just a totally different time in, in, in the history of the club calf business. But this is truly a story that needs to be told for sure. How how can they put him, like, in those big, deep stalls with all that straw and bed him down? I mean, it's not like you show up and show and leave. Somebody had to I mean, we'll try to get some more. We'll try to get some more granulated detail whenever Elton comes on the show next weekend. Uh, I mean... It's just a wild story, and no disrespect is intended. Once again, I'm just going to say it again for effect. It's just an amazing story. <laughs> and, I mean, as a side note, I, I think it needs to be stated that Eldon, in his career, Eldon kind of had a reputation in the 80s and 90s and 2000s to be that uh vigilante sort of uh, journalism in terms of calling out people when they did wrong. And, I mean, maybe he was He's just, just trying mad to... He's just he didn't get his big payday. So nobody else yeah. didn't get it. I mean, he possibly <laughs> might have just uh, been trying to, to make up for an error made early in his career. And uh, I guess there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but that is a layer of the conversation that needs to be added just to kind of Get the effect that no, or, uh, uh, Eldon went on to own the National Livestock Exhibitor, and I believe there was a, maybe a money skimming scheme that he identified within his magazine 
at the Iowa Beef Expo, and then some sort of uh, just something that he wasn't satisfied with on the Illinois State Fair Sale of Champions, and he called those folks out. And in in my pre-interview with Eldon earlier today, he just stated that uh, he just printed facts, and I mean he can't really do much if all you do is print facts. This is amazing. A steer, a Charlotte steer. Let's just go back to just talking about the Charlotte steer. A Charlotte steer gets painted black or, you know, uh, shoe polished black. I just can't imagine how long that would take. He must have been a heck of a cat for, for a guy to take that long to do it. So we have Brandon right. Snyder from Ohio. We have Burke Holby from the state of West Virginia. And then Will Monteith, who is from, uh, Hayden, Colorado, which is up there on the west side of the state in the northwest corner about 30 mi 20 miles east of Craig. So, Will, how old are you, Will? 65. So, Will is 65 years old. He's been doing the club cast thing for a long time. I stop at his ranch every year. He's always a pleasure to visit with. I know that he has a long-term relationship with Kirk Sturwall, among others, and myself. And uh, I just thought it would be good to bring in a Colorado perspective in terms of this uh, 1972 National Western Stock Show steer. So, Will, I apologize for interjecting, but just go ahead and tell a little bit about what you think about this whole deal and then your Revlon number five deal. Well, well, you know, it don't take too much Revlon five to color a calf. And, uh, you know, when you spray him, you get his face, eyes, pooper, the whole works. And then uh, it's kind of funny because that calf, I don't think that calf would have won if it had been white or been entered either. But uh, mm -hmm. when they paint him black, he he kind of walked away with it the way I take it. But what amazed me is the kid that raised that steer that named him Jeep when he was born recognized that calf at the stock show yep. uh, a long time later. And that really amazed me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, I've raised a lot of calves and, you know, if somebody buys one of our show calves after 18 months and I see him six, <laughs> eight months later, I don't even think I'd recognize him if they didn't die. Him. <laughs> oh, well, you're going down a road that I want to talk about, my brother. So anyway, right. this, this just sets up perfectly for me. Uh, I, I sold a steer to a little boy from Mitchell, South Dakota, by the name of RJ. And RJ, uh, for 18 months, said that the steer had vanished. He told me the steer went to the sale barn. He told me the steer wasn't any good. But on Monday of this past week, uh, RJ had a change of heart. And, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why people change their heart or they maybe tell yeah. you a little little white lie and then they kind of go back well guess what rj went back on his little white lie and as of friday he had dave geyer call me and say uh yeah i uh, i guess i bought your no guts no glory steer from rj this story really comes into full focus when you realize that rj signed up to be the team captain of the rcc cheerleading squad both those uh steers labeled magic were uh both you know, credit to those steers, both went to a little bull called HIA. That's not the end of the story, Will, but I uh, didn't need to make mention of it because it's been just in terms of identity and, and sire switching. I understand that. And 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not done telling that RJ story because RJ <laughs> is going to give me a public admittance of what he did to my wife's fear. And, uh, yeah, to be, to be continued, I guess, is what we'd say about that. Good. We're going to do that be, on that'll different... Be, that'll be interesting. Tonight, let's focus on the Charlotte steer that turned black. As a Colorado breeder and as a 65-year-old that I guess you would have been, just doing quick math, you possibly would have been about... 15 years old in 1972. I'm going to have Kevin and Jason Colehouse in the control room mute my mic. I just want you to take a minute or two and just describe your your knowledge from or your just your experience from 50 years ago you can go as long or as short as you want to will go ahead and have kevin mute me go ahead i won't take too much time i i kind of stuck up for the for the steer because i i feel that we ought to be able to take every steer and make him black and then we'll see what let them judges work cut out for them because you know and i it's getting a little bit now where you can win with cream ones or red ones but it's been hard to compete with black ones so as breeders you know we've tried to use more black semen when there's been some as good or better bulls out there of color and uh it's just like even when you go to the market with a market calf if he's not black they dock you and and you know if you take that hide off or paint them all black they all look alike and uh so i i can remember even back then thinking that that was pretty cool and smart to do. And and, and I didn't think it should have been as big an issue as they brought out of it. Sure. At the end of the day, whether it's uh, a preferred breed or a preferred color, quality is quality. So everybody yeah. just needs to uh, get their teeth sunk into that. I mean, this, this old deal probably caused a little bit of commotion for the Miller family. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... It's an interesting story because as of this morning at maybe 6 a.m., I'd maybe heard about it. honestly thought it happened in the 1980s. But your your article that you sent me tonight, Will, was one that I forwarded to Burke, and that's what we led the show with was a reading of that newspaper article from 1972. So that kind of just solidified it in terms of me kind of knowing the background, not really knowing anything about it, just hearing that maybe one time a Charlotte Spear got dyed black. Uh, to now yeah, I know yeah, it was 1972, it was a Charlotte steer that went to Kansas City and got eighth place in class, and that steer won the show, and uh, <laughs> he was dyed with shoe polish or, or Revlon number five. Uh, yeah. Thank you for hopping on, Will. I appreciate it. All right. Nice meeting you guys. To finish up this podcast, we don't need to go too much longer. I do want to tell one quick story. I've got something pretty big on the uh we're talking about hip height and whatnot i've got a story that's been told to me from a really 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 secure source that uh in the 1980s there was a steer that showed up to the american royal and uh had boots on a steer so uh i mean i don't i mean we're gonna call them boots for effect but it was like wood blocks that were glued onto the bottom of the steer's hooves. So in that time period, they needed to be a 53 or 54 or 55 inch steer to be in that heater class. I mean, this was done by one of the major players of the last 30, 35, 40 years. Uh, he put wood blocks underneath his steer's feet to give him that extra two or three inches of hip height. 
And uh, Steer went on to win the show. Did he get away with uh, it? <laughs> have you ever heard of a New York Times article about a woodblock steer? <laughs> so this I've is never... This is a never-before-told uh, story on a steer that, quote-unquote, got away with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Once again, this person is still alive, and this person is still a part of the business, but I'm sorry. This is just club cap history, and we got to tell these old stories before they all throw dirt on their back. Like, old, how do you green come up with that idea? Like, <laughs> sitting around in the show barn, and you're like, you know what? Let's glue wood blocks to his feet. Let's, let's just smother I mean, that it's just like chew off. Yes. <laughs> I really want to get me a 91-year-old Elton Miller interview because I think after this Denver deal, he truly like shaped the 80s and 90s with his magazine before the show circuit came yeah. along. And uh, yeah, I mean, no doubt. I might, I might even reach out to Elton and say, "Hey, Elton, here's a story about your steer." We can wait to air it on after we do your deal, or we can air it before. Oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. There's some of the stuff them guys had to do back in the day, fitting those legs and doing all it. I mean, they did actually have to work a hell of a lot harder than what we work today, I believe, uh, to get mm-hmm. them things right. Uh, I, remember, yep. I can remember being a, a kid back in the day watching uh, Ralph Kissick uh, fit them things up with uh, – Twine and uh, Super 77 uh, construction adhesive and yep. stuff like that, you know. And, uh, yep. I mean, them guys were, they were super skilled back in them days to get them things looking the way they did back in those days. To finish off this podcast, I do have a breaking announcement. I mean, honestly, I never in my wildest dreams expected this big show podcast to blow up worldwide or even just nationwide in terms of all 50 states and uh five five canadian provinces i don't don't know what they call those areas down in mexico is it a state in mexico or do they have like territories or what is it called in mexico we got mexican viewers we got a large swath of central european listeners and australia even a big uh, big listening audience from Moscow. Why are they listening to us in Moscow? I'll never know. And there will be a huge announcement on June 1st uh, as far as the future of the podcast. Before that, in the next day or two, obviously, there's going to be a fitters roundtable. And uh, I know that Kirk Sturwalt and Joe Gensini and Dave Geyer have committed. And uh, I believe that Scott Foreman will be on the show as well. But they're just going to talk about the evolution of the last 50 years of uh, fitting. I mean, that 50 years would be outside of Kirk Sturwalt's window, so I'm going to say the last 40 years of uh, the fitting evolution. Kirk told me a story this morning at about 8 a.m. of him fitting a steer called JR that my uncle Wayne Lautner raised in 1985 time frame. And that steer won three state fairs that summer, and then he won the world <laughs> The World Steer Show. I don't know what that means, but it must have been the biggest one because it's the one that Kirk focused on. And he said that that steer had just fair leg hair. And uh, they had, Brandon had mentioned this earlier, but they had like the 3M glue. And Kirk, during that time period, was perfecting a technique of 
adding leg hair with uh, either horse hair or longer twine, stringy twine hair, and then layering it with really finely cut uh, twine. Anyways, making it all fit together or, or stay with the 3M glue, and then, this is probably before tail adhesive, and then, oh, this was before tail adhesive, because John Sullivan's yeah, coming on the show. John Sullivan's coming on the show on June 9th, so I, I'm at least going to come back for a special, even though I'm retiring on June 1st, I'm at least going to come back on June 9th for my John Sullivan interview. But anyways, uh, at the tail end of the fitting process, Kirk said that they would layer that stuff with either baby powder, which was black, or they 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 graduated to graphite being kind of dusted yeah. in the legs to help give it some texture. And, uh, I mean, you want to talk about an amazing roundtable. I think Burke Holby, Brandon Snyder, Will Monteith, and Matt Lautner is a pretty entertaining roundtable. But you give me Joe Gensini, Kirk Sturwalt, Dave Geyer, I think Charlie Wilson's going to try to come on. Joe's going to try to get Charlie as, the, like, the new young gun fitter, and then they're going to have, like, a premier fitter from each decade that way. And all of them boys can yeah, still get it boy. done. I'm just saying they're going to talk about the evolution of the fitting game. That's going to be a, that's going to be one of them that break the Internet, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I want to know who's going to bring up saddle soap, how they used saddle soap back in the day to make there that curl. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing the, the, it's an amazing yeah. business that we all enjoy and uh it's been a it's just been a pleasure kind of recording some of this history the Tyrone Hollinger episode I don't know if you two have listened to that one yet but it's just no it's simply amazing to to hear what they were doing back in 1954 when Tyrone Hollinger's sister won the uh Chicago International and they thought it was yeah. such a big deal, like as a nationwide thing, that they that they train card their steer plus the entire Hellinger family to New York City to the Ed Sullivan show. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of fun that- stories out there. And the big show brought it to two thousand and twenty two. <laughs> I hope that you two have enjoyed this show. I can guarantee you nobody in the country's had more fun than I am. Because I'm a history buff. So yeah, anyway. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to light the internet on fire on a Memorial Day. So let's sign off with, uh, I mean, this is kind of off the beaten topic, but to sign off on Memorial Day Monday, this is going to post in the morning. I want each of you to tell about a family they have been in combat. And uh, we'll recognize the fallen heroes from before us or the, Heroes that lived through their combat. So go ahead if you got a story. Oh, I guess uh, mine would be, uh, I guess my grandmother was a nurse uh, in World War II. And uh, my grandfather would have been in the Coast Guards during that time where he uh, ran those boats up on the beaches for those beach raids. And that's where we met. I had a, uh, an uncle, and I do have a uh, family member that is actually serving um, overseas right now, uh, Todd Hoover, who is a formal showman and uh, stock show kid, and he is serving, so God bless him and God bless all our other, other troops that are out and everybody that has served. My grandpa, Walt Lautner, um, <clears throat> passed away 
And I was just a young punk. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I just wasn't old enough and mature enough to know the gravity of, of how much, how, what a great man my, my grandpa Walt was. And uh, anyways, I will tell you one story that he told me that I do remember. I guess he served in World War II over in the front lines. And I believe he must have been in France during, I mean, that would be after the Normandy invasion. And uh, his uh, his group of soldiers with him was, there would be one soldier or two soldiers that would need to stay up overnight. And, uh, and the rest of the group could sleep a little bit. And I guess, I mean, I don't remember this story too fine detail, but the long and the short of the story was is, they woke uh, up in the morning, and all the grass around their campsite was trampled. I guess there had been a, uh, uh, you know, a German group that had. They could have probably. Who knows what they could have done? They didn't. They didn't engage them in combat, but uh, they did uh, sneak through the campsite or around the campsite while they were all were sleeping, and the uh, watchman must have fallen asleep that night. But, anyways. Just like D-Bull could have uh, been cut for a steer, which would have resulted in Heat Seeker, Heat Wave, and Monopoly not being born, uh, if old Grandpa Lautner hadn't made it through uh, World War II, and maybe I could have my Uncle Wayne on to tell a better story about my grandpa, but uh, <clears throat> if Grandpa Lautner hadn't made it through World War II, there would be no big show because there would be no Matt Lautner. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about people that deserve our love. Uh, thank you to all you soldiers out there, fallen, and the ones that made it through. And if we uh, have any listeners in the audience that want to come on and tell their story, don't be afraid to reach out to me uh, via text at 515-450-2800. I do appreciate y'all. Thank you very much, you guys. We did this on very short notice. And, uh, yeah, fight for Trump and FJB are my two things to go off with. Thanks a lot. God bless kids and God bless cows. Happy Memorial Day. The Big Show. Zero given. See ya. It's going to be a round.